Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Take a walk with co-hosts Phyllis Fagel and Joe Mazza as they discuss self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education and is designed to support the concepts outlined in our foundational text, The Successful Middle School, This We Believe. Learn more at amle.org. Today's episode, Cultivating a Culture of Belonging with special guest, Philip Marcus. Hi, Joe. It is great to be back talking to you, and I'm really excited to talk about today's topic. I'm going to let you introduce our guest, but first I just want to hear how you're doing and where you are in terms of the school year starting and reuniting with students. Hey, Phyllis, great to hear you today. Really excited for this podcast. I have a special guest here, one of my colleagues um, here in New York. Uh, But uh, we just finished day two of our department chair retreat and um, really just like inspiring work the first two days and just reflecting back to where we were last year and what we were focused on and worry about versus you know, we're actually talking about instruction. We're actually talking about supporting kids and, and not like all the different barriers and, and whatnot. Knowing, you know, the guidance isn't fully out and we're certainly preparing for some safety stuff, but it was just really nice to talk shop and to reconnect with people. And, um, you know, uh, the guest that I'm going to introduce in a second was actually part of our day one um, of our retreat. And um, it is my pleasure to introduce uh, Philip Marcus is the Director of Equity, Inclusion, and Wellness here in the Chappaqua Central School District. And we're about 45 minutes north of the city or an hour or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Philly yeah. guy doesn't spend a lot of time <laughs> in the city, but uh, know exactly where it is. So welcome, Philip. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Phyllis. Um, yeah, we're about 35 minutes um, north of the city. You drive faster. <laughs> I drive a little bit faster. Um, I'm happy to be joining you today um, to talk about belonging. Yes. So sense of belonging as we you know, start the school year, whether it's the first day, the first week, the first month, the first quarter, you know, we're really invested in, you know, from the very start, building a culture of belonging um, for our students. And, you know, we have talked over and over again over the last year plus on, you know, how much or how little our kids felt connected to the school, uh, to their peers, to their teachers and whatnot. And um, Philip, you know, is not only is he focused on the DEI work here in our school district, but um, this sense of belonging um, is something that he supported us with last year um, in all of our schools, giving a student voice survey um, and we'll talk a little bit about that today because, you know, the results that we got were really powerful. Um, and now we're going to leverage the results and the words of our students to really act upon that and start the year in a way that really responds to uh, their needs, at least the needs that they were able to kind of share um, with us. Um, outside of that, um, we are also working to make sure that equity is systemic in everything that we do. Um, and Philip. Uh, is um, leading that charge across our district, working with principals and superintendents and teachers uh, and students um, at the high school, the middle school, and the elementary school. So he's a great resource and um, looking forward to learning a lot from you uh, today. Thank you, Joe. I think you give me a lot of credit and I appreciate you. So Philip, last year, 
the schools here in our district, um, we, you know, we use the tool Panorama to give a survey to um, students. Um, can you talk a little bit about how it played out? All right. So last year when I started uh, working uh, in this role, something that I thought would be really important was figuring out what students had to say about how good they were feeling in school. I think that we have a lot of metrics within buildings um, to figure out how well students are doing academically. But when we think about the metrics to figure out how, how good they're feeling overall, those are the things that we tend to be very light on. So in this survey, you know, it had three prime areas, but the area that I wanted to really focus on was sense of belonging, especially when we think about the middle school age and also the high school age. So we assessed all students in grades five through 12. And I think, you know, as you said before, the results were really powerful. So the trend that we noticed was that students in grades five through 12, each year that they spent within the school district, they had less and less of a sense of belonging. And I think that that was really powerful, especially that we got that data during uh, a pandemic, which was an anomaly of a year. So already there were kids who were experiencing learning in a very different way than they've experienced in the past. There were teachers who had to now shift and do something a little bit different. Um, and then we also had students feeling more disconnected than they had been before. So we don't know if that was a result of the pandemic or if it was something else, but it was really important to really think about what do students have to say about their own experiences. Philip, there are three areas of the survey, right? We talked about sense of belonging. There was also a diversity and inclusion section and a cultural awareness and action section. And you know, as we got the results and, you know, these are not 100 percent, they're not 90 percent, um, they're they're lower than that. And there's norms nationally. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about, you know, because metrics as we explain them to teachers and whatnot, we didn't want people to, you know, oh, my gosh, like, what, what are they saying to us? But at the same time, we wanted, you know, to validate some of the things that, mm -hmm. you know, we solicited um, from the students. All right. So. Um... So we had cultural awareness and action, diversity and inclusion, sense of belonging. So the different categories really touched on different areas that schools are ultimately charged with developing. So diversity and inclusion, for example, how diverse, integrated and fair um, is, um, you know, is this school to students of different races, ethnicities and cultures. So I'll say that it's very rare that um, in my opinion, schools are at 100% just because of the history that we have in this country. Um, so as we're thinking about all of these categories and also um, where we are politically with there being, um, you know, a lot of controversy around, you know, what we teach, how we teach it, is this indoctrination, is it not, is it critical race theory? It's also really important to touch on, you know, as we think about the way students are answering these questions or thinking about these categories, how much of it is reflective of their daily experience with each other? How much it is reflective of the experiences that they're having outside of school? And to what extent are those two things um, combining to create this like this sense of belonging that really isn't there? This idea that as a student in this community, I don't necessarily feel seen and valued because I'm in class and students may not understand my unique history, my unique language, my unique culture. And if they don't understand that, how well could they see me as a person? 
That makes complete sense. And I love how you strip it down to sense of belonging. So there are all of these big picture issues. Some are more controversial than others. And we could probably spend the entire time talking about why it's important to spend time on these issues. But I'm really wondering what it is that we're trying to capture specifically in terms of sense of belonging? Is it that they feel like they have friends in this school? Is it that they feel like their teachers see them as capable? It, what is it in the eyes of the students themselves that they really, that comes through that they see as being most critical to feeling that sense of belonging? That's a great question. So if I'm thinking about some of the questions in the survey, um, they dealt with how well do people at your school understand you as a person? Um, how connected do you feel to the adults at your school? How much respect do students in the school show you? And how much do you matter to others at the school? So, you know, as I think about my own experiences as a teacher, I say this constantly, I think about all of the veteran knowledge that I got um, on day one. So, you know, there were teachers who said, don't smile until Thanksgiving or Christmas, right? Which is <laughs> very common. And I think about, how that helps me either to develop a relationship with students that's either positive or negative, right? Um, whether that ultimately plays into a classroom culture that I actually wanna build. And I think once, once I reflect on that, you know, now um, I think about where power is showing up in that relationship. I'm thinking about um, if I can build a positive relationship with a student on that foundation where I'm really trying to establish a sense of fear and it's, also dehumanizing to say, I can't be myself. And I'm also saying, I can't see you and I can't allow you to be yourself because I'm more concerned with the control. So these results make sense to me because I think that, you know, they never come from poor intentions, right? They never come from a teacher saying, I want to do harm to a child. But I also think that it's a both and situation where we can love kids, we can go into education to make a difference. And we could also do incredible harm if we're not taking the time to question our practices. And there's so much wallpaper that we don't question when we come into teaching. It's, it's the veteran wisdom that tells us how to build relationships and manage classrooms. But when we think about it, we're not managing classrooms and we're not managing behaviors. We're building unique cultures within our classroom where everyone can be seen and everyone can belong. And if we're not doing that from day one, if the very tone that we're setting is one of intimidation, then we're not going to have the type of culture that we want where all students are, are being valued. And then we get the results and it's reflective of what we actually do. So this is a mirror for us as adults to question those practices. One of the things I like to do is to take that data. And I, I find the data that you collected really helpful because I'm sure it's similar or worse at other places all around the country and figure out how we can translate that into concrete practices. And what you just said about how kids just want to feel like their teacher sees them and sees them as capable and is friendly and smiling at them and empowering them. It's this big picture, complicated goal that we have, but when you strip it down, it's actually quite simple. It seems to me that so much can be done with just greeting kids when they walk into the classroom with telling them that you think they can do anything they put their mind to. Have you uh, given some thought to what your favorite strategies are, things that maybe teachers listening right now could take away and, and use to create that sense of belonging? Yeah, so I think a, a really big part of um, 
making kids feel like they belong is giving them a sense of ownership in the classroom. And I wish that I would have been told that on the very first day. So when I think about my classroom, when I was last in, in a classroom with students, you know, part of it is asking them their opinion about what they're learning, allowing them to also drive, um, drive a lot of the content, because if they're not buying in um, to what I'm teaching, it's reflective of me and my approach. So what are the things that are most relevant to your experiences? What are the ways that you'd like to be greeted um, when you come into the classroom? When I say boys and girls line up, is that in fact the microaggression for a child who's struggling with their gender identity? When I'm greeting um, their parents and I'm saying mom and dad, is that also impacting them if they don't live with mom or dad or if they don't have that traditional nuclear family. So all of those things are embedded in the very language that we use that's been normalized. And if we're not really, if we're not raising awareness and, and bringing some attention to the fact that embedded in our language is violence for kids, then we're never going to understand and solve this problem of why some students don't feel a sense of belonging. If you are um, the typical uh, student then you might feel a greater sense of belonging than someone who's a racial or a linguistic minority in this country. But we also have to really think about the ways that we communicate that, right? The term English language learner versus language experts. So what are the ways that we're like centering some people and othering others? In terms of, you know, getting this data, you know, as a principal and someone that really is responsible for the, the culture of our school and, you know, feeling like the kid belongs is a, obviously a huge part of that. Just like we want teachers to feel empowered and um, our community to feel like they're partners, you know, with us. Um, you know, one of the things as we consider, you know, how we're going to reboot school, air quotes, uh, because, you know, half of the kids at our school have never had a real start to the school year. Um, some of them never came last year. Um, and some of them are new students and, you know, who knows what happened at their other schools. So as we reboot the structures and the guidelines and rules and codes and all those kind of things, you know, one of the things that I'm really going to overemphasize is how much kids matter and how much they belong and how much we think about them when we're not with them. Um, I think there's a human connection piece there. And, you know, if you can't, get up in the morning and feel like you're going to a place that cares about you, um, then I wouldn't want to come to school either, you know? And I, and I think that that's, you know, you know, I think we're from a innovation and a progressive standpoint, we're constantly trying to listen to kids and respond with, you know, whether it's the, the Lego room and things that they want to be building, or it's, you know, the TV studio coming up with their stories and whatnot. And we really want to listen and respond and put them in a position, not only to feel like they own the school, but to feel like they can lead at their school and they have power and they have resources. Um, so the lip service, you know, is, is just that, right? We can say all day long how much we care about them and you're part of this place, but the actions, the change in policy, um, the resource allocations, the reflections, and, and, and lastly, you know, adults, we, the three of us can feel like we're doing a hundred things to, to, to really work at that sense of belonging. But I want to hear from the kids. I want to hear from the fifth graders, the sixth graders, the seventh graders, the eighth graders. And then when they're in high school, you know, what does that look like to you and what makes a difference? And, you know, for me, this was the icebreaker to get this conversation started. 
um, you know, groups of students working on this in collaboration with staff, you know, is one of the goals that we have to get started in addressing this um, this year. Because, you know, our, our numbers are in the 50s and the 60s, and that's not good enough. Um, and I don't know, you know, I can't compare that to, you know, another school, but for me, I want more than 53% of my kids feeling like they belong at our school and they're in, you know, they're in their, you know, native water. We've been talking a lot at home about saltwater fish and, you know, freshwater fish, but, you know, you want them to feel like this is, this is where they belong. Um, you know, something I'll notice that I think what's really powerful about what you've done with the data as a principal is that you've actually looked at it with, curiously, and you've asked questions, there, there are some people who might have looked at the data and said, well, you know, it's a pandemic, you know, um, this is not accurate. Do the kids really understand what's being asked anyway? As we also say, student voice is important, right? So we ask the question, <laughs> and when we get the, the information, then we're like, well, you know, it's not really reflective of us. And I think it's important to not only own the successes of students, but also to own where we can do better. Um, because I think we could all do better. And I think that, you know, no one has the solution for, you know, the most equitable education. No one has the solution for how to create the best sense of belonging among everyone in the community. But what, what we can do is demonstrate curiosity and try to think about what it means to learn about every student. What does it, you know, what are the metrics that will lead me to think about their social emotional well-being differently? Is it learning every student's name and making a commitment that every teacher in this building will learn every single student's name so that they can be greeted by name? Is that one of the things that's important? Is it outreach to certain families that's really important, especially families that we notice, you know, through our data are more silent, who we haven't heard from? So, you know, I think that all of that is a collaborative process that could be created with staff to say, you know what, we have the report card that measures the academics. We know we can we can decide, you know, who needs more support, but are students happy? And how do we center that joy in learning? Because so much of the ways that they operate academically is a reflection of how they feel about themselves, especially in middle school. And if we're not really careful about that, then ultimately what we do is reinforce those negative feelings while also telling them, well, you have to pass these classes or all of the negative consequences that we could list, which students already know because they're, they've been students for years. They don't need to be reminded. I think all of us are trying to figure out what kinds of issues will come up that are different, that are related to that sense of belonging. That might not be true if we were not in a pandemic. Some issues are evergreen because they're always going to care about how they're seen in through the eyes of their peers, for example, or that they're seen as good enough and smart enough and capable. But are there specific issues that you anticipate having to address this year that we haven't had to address in past years? Yeah, I think a whole host of issues. Um, you know, I think that there are issues that we should address. I'll lead with that. I don't know if we will all address it. And when I say we, I think about the education system broadly. Um, I think that there are many instances where as a country, we've normalized different traumas. And I'm hoping that this is not a trauma, right? The trauma of isolation, the trauma of a pandemic that we don't normalize. Um, there are different I think spaces where, you know, as adults, we say we can't do anything about it. So, you know, we I think about active shooter drills in schools where we kind of throw our hands up and say, you know what, we can't do anything about it. Um, I think about all of the things that will impact the students experience on a daily basis, like their families having minimum basic income, having health care. I think about all of those things for all students. 
And, you know, as students come back to school, I think particularly in, um, in, you know, suburban communities, it's important to think about the fact that everyone needs a level of connection. Everyone needs, um, needs to feel like they're seen and respected and valued. And in the last year, some students didn't have that opportunity. So it doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your class is. No one wants to be different. Everyone wants to belong and be, um, and, and be one of the kids. Um, and it's really difficult, I think, when we kind of um, think about the terms that have been used to describe this time, talking about learning loss and everything else, which is suggesting that we really don't have time to talk about all of the feeling stuff because there's an urgency with the academic stuff, which is same old, same old and not anything new. So Philip, one of the things that you talked about that I feel like as we, you know, as we round out this podcast, you know, what can teachers do on day one, um, you know, week two, there's never, there's never too late to do this is to get the kid's name right. Mm -hmm. Not just know it, but get it right. And, you know, we don't have the most diverse school that I've ever worked in here, but we have a lot of people um, that are from different countries. They don't necessarily speak that language as a first language, but um, their family pronounces their names differently than teachers pronounce their names. And if you've got to hear your name wrong eight times a day, that's going to tell you that, well, my name, my family, we really just don't matter. So why should I even think about that? Right. One of the things that we've been working really hard to do with, um, you know, our technology department is look at things like Infinite Campus and Canvas and, and create fields where we can put the phonetic spelling of a kid's first and or last name because it's not easy, right? Those of us that have announced birthdays for years on the announcement, I've, I've jacked up lots of names over the years and I'm not proud of it, but I can do something about it now. And it matters more because I know so much more about the impact and the effect. I love that idea. It's, it, it takes a little bit of work, but that I, I, I want to talk to a kid that's had their name mispronounced for years and like maybe one class or one quarter um it's i don't know i just want to see how mm. that changes the the game here in that and it's it's one of the easier things to do because this is really hard work it's really deep but you know adding a field working with tech asking kids how to spell and their families how to spell their name i've even um seen somewhere um a google form where a parent can record how they say it uh, and submit that. So I think there's lots of things that we can do. We just have to be interested. We have to be committed. And, um, you know, I think we have to attack it as this, this is an issue. And until we feel like we've, you know, uh, got the feedback directly from students, no matter how good we feel we're doing, um, that needs to be a front burner topic uh, with or without the pandemic. Before we wrap up, and this is more of a technical, practical question, but for people listening who might want to do a survey like this, Philip, did you create this survey? Did you use one that existed? Do you have one you recommend? Yeah, so the Panorama um, survey is free online to download. Um, we worked with Panorama to um, calculate all of the metrics, um, but it is free if you Google it. Um, it's like the Panorama, um, Panorama Equity and Inclusion and, uh, Survey. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so it's a really great um, survey if you want to take a look at the questions that are made available for free, just to get a sense of what are some things that I might want to ask students um, when they come back? What are some things that um, I want to get a sense of in my community? Because this gives you a starting point. I think data helps to ground the conversation. And, you know, I think to what Joe said, you know, even learning a student's name is a starting point. It's not an end point, right? But when we think about equity work, it's more like a relay race. It is a journey, not a sprint. Um, so how far can we can we push, um, you know, uh, the systems within our schools, the structures within our schools, the policies that we all practice across our classrooms to increase how a student feels, to increase that sense of belonging? Because, you know, ultimately what I respond to is that when students um, have had these um, experiences, especially around their names, which are so deeply personal, you know, we see on one hand, there are adults who will watch Game of Thrones and say uh, Daenerys Targaryen. And there are other people <laughs> who will say, I don't know how to pronounce your name. And it's usually the same person. <laughs> so as we think about that, what's the level of effort that we're going to take in order to know that student's name that's genuine and comes from the heart? Because that's what a student is responding to. They're responding to the spirit of that person. Like you care enough to actually lean in and ask my name and listen for a response and then practice it. Or admit honestly as an adult, which is not hard to do, oh, I didn't hear you or I, I didn't really get that right. Can you say it again? And I think that can be powerful for, for a child. And you're modeling for the classmates that it's important to get it right, that you want to respect how their name is pronounced, that you respect them as a person. And I think so much, especially in middle school, that relates to that culture of creating that culture of belonging has to do with how you feel you're seen in the eyes of your peers. And I think teachers can do a lot to set kids up for success in that area. I completely agree. Philip, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I am the lucky one that gets to work uh, with <laughs> Philip here in our school district. And um, hopefully, you know, some of the things that you're able to share is, um, you know, heard and, um, you know, by some of the other middle level colleagues we have out there. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you, yes, Joe. Thank you, Philip. Okay.